0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here. If you have your copy of God's Word, please open with us to the Gospel according to Mark. Gospel according to Mark, chapter 15. We're making progress. It's been slow progress, hasn't it? But uh, uh, we're beginning in chapter 15 tonight, and... Then uh, there's only one more chapter after this. But I make no promises that we'll get through it quickly. Let's, uh, before we read, let's go again to our Lord in prayer. I am so desperately in need of his anointing and enabling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, as we were just singing, we need the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us to speak within us you need to hear not just my voice but you need to hear a voice within my voice you need to get something from God and so let's let's pray our father once again we have come to just draw near to you together close around your throne, together close to one another, and together in around your word. And Lord, we, we want to hear from you tonight. We pray that you would speak to us and remind us again of this, this account that we have heard many times over the years of our Lord Jesus' trial. And sentencing to death, and his rejection by the nation of Israel. Oh Father, help us to go there in our spirits. And as Pilate said to the to the great crowd, "Behold the man." May we behold him tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> let's read I'll read through these first 15 verses and then we'll walk through them and uh, and just pick out some things that we need to understand from them that will hopefully will help us and then we'll uh, uh, talk more about the rejection of the Lord Jesus beginning in verse number one of Mark chapter. 15, and this is God's word. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do, just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd, so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him, to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head, With a reed and spat on him and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify. I'll stop reading there. But let's just uh, uh, notice that last time when I uh, dealt with the last part of Mark chapter 14, we talked about the, uh, the trials of Jesus, the religious trials, how he was taken and betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And uh, they sent a huge multitude of, uh, uh, some were soldiers, there were uh, people from the uh, high priest's house and uh, uh, people from the council. And so there was a, a large multitude a large crowd who came to capture Jesus the meek and mild tender Jesus they sent a mob of uh, uh, with soldiers with clubs and swords to arrest him and they bound him as if he were a criminal isn't that amazing And uh, Jesus used a little bit of logic with them. He said, I was daily with you teaching in the temple, and you didn't lay hands on me. Well, the reason for that was they couldn't, because his hour had not yet come. Remember, we talked about that, didn't we? And uh, so he said, uh, uh, you didn't lay hands on me then. Well, they wanted to, uh, they, they were kind of walking a tightrope here because they did this all at night because they didn't want it to be too public, but at the same time, they wanted to stigmatize this whole operation because if anyone did see it, they wanted them to see Jesus being captured and taken bound by the religious leaders and by soldiers. They wanted it to look good. I mean, they wanted to give him the uh, top of the line purple, didn't they? And so that's, uh, that's exactly what they did. And so after those three trials that Jesus endured that night, they took him first If you remember, they took him first to Annas, uh, who was the father-in-law of the high priest, Caiaphas. And then he sent them to Caiaphas, who was the high priest. And uh, their their trial took place unjustly, illegally. Uh, They were not supposed to try anyone at night. It had to be daylight uh, a daylight trial. It had to be open for every uh, opportunity for uh, witnesses, witnesses both against the uh, arrestee and witnesses uh, to his innocence. And so they had to, they were supposed to do it that way, but they didn't. They took Jesus at night When it was a capital crime, when a death sentence was possible, they were not to uh, execute that person on the same day that the uh, sentence was imposed because uh, they had to have time in case some evidence came up. And so those were things that they were just completely ignoring in Jesus' case and within uh, uh, less than 24 hours of his arrest, they already had him tried, executed, or, or sentenced and ready to be executed, hanging on the cross. And so this is uh, uh, just a terrible mockery of a trial uh, that uh, they had done. And so after that third uh, uh, trial, the next morning, early, Early in the morning. and Now remember this is Passover. So most of these religious leaders. Should have been uh, somewhere else. Uh, taking uh, charge of uh, uh, prepo, uh, Passover preparations. But uh, they had them gathered there. And uh, they accused Jesus of blasphemy. And what did they mean by that? They asked him. Are you the Son of God? And he said, I am. He admitted to being the Son of God and they said, What more evidence do we need? What more testimony do we need? And they accused him and convicted him of blasphemy because being the Son of God makes you of the same essence as God, right? And so he made himself God, they said. This was was their accusation now. This was their justification for taking him now to the Romans. Why would they do that? Because they could not execute a person. They did not have the authority under Roman rule to, uh, to execute a criminal. The Romans had to do that. And so uh, they had to, they had to take him to the Roman uh, leader, the highest Roman official that was present, and that was a man by the name of Pontius Pilate. John chapter 18, verse number 28 And then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium and it was early morning. Listen to this. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled. (laughs) It almost makes me laugh. They would not go into the praetorium because they didn't want to be defiled but that they might eat the passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Isn't that amazing? They were so religiously conscientious that they did not want to defile themselves. Well, what do you mean defile yourself? Well, how could they have defiled themselves? Going into a Gentile home. Or a Gentile place. They might step where a Gentile had stepped. They might accidentally rub shoulders with a Gentile. What a horrible thing that would have been. And then they would have had to have gone and gone through that whole ritual of of washing their hands, you know. I can't dip my hands in the water and rub them together. That doesn't do anything but just take your fist and just start to. Isn't it amazing how they were so conscientious about things like that, but yet they were lying in order to put an innocent man to death. So they led him away to be uh, uh, tried by Pontius Pilate. Now... In verse number three, the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. There's a uh, uh, another verse that I'd, I'll share with you in Luke chapter twenty-three, and we'll be uh, flipping back and forth into other uh, uh, books, uh, other of the uh, other four gospels, because uh, uh, Mark actually gives a pretty abbreviated account of all the things that happened. But in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 2, listen to what it says. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now the first thing I want you to notice about this is where is the accusation of blasphemy? They didn't say anything to Pilate about blasphemy, did they? And they had three things, that uh, three specific charges that they wanted Pilate to consider. He said, we found this fellow... Perverting the nation. Well, he was trying to fix it. He was not perverting it, he was telling it the truth. He was exposing its prior perversion. And so he was, perver- they said, he's perverting the nation. Secondly, he was per- forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Now, that's a stinking low-down lie. Yeah. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that they tried to trip him up on. If you'll remember, they came and asked him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And he and uh, he said, bring me a coin. Bring me a denarius." And they brought it. And he said, who's? Image and superscription is on this. And they said, Caesar's. And he said, Therefore give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing? But they didn't get it and they didn't uh, like it because it exposed their uh, hypocrisy. But they brought this accusation anyway. Even though He did not do what they said. As a matter of fact, one time uh, they had asked Peter if his master paid taxes. And and Peter uh, said uh, yes. And so Jesus said, uh, go down into the water and throw a hook in. And uh, the first fish that comes up, there will be a coin in its mouth. Take it out and pay the taxes for me and you. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't do those things that they said. Perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now, that he did say, and that is the only truthful part of their accusation against him, but it was said with a, uh, uh, with a, uh, with other intent; uh, they wanted him to hear that word "king," because that puts it all in the political realm, and uh, so they wanted him to—he, they wanted Pilate to assume that Jesus was uh, claiming to be a king. And if that uh, is true, if he were claiming to be a king. In a political sense, that would be a problem for Pilate, would it not? It'd be a a problem for everyone there, but he was not claiming to be a king in a political sense. He is king. He was king before he got here, and he's king when he got here, and he's king now, and he'll be king forever. He is the king, not of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. Israel, the prince with God—that's what God. That's the name God gave to Jacob in that little wrestling match they had at Peniel, and Jacob fell on the ground, broken by the uh, uh, the power and strength of the Lord, and uh, and said, "Lord, bless me." And God said. Thou shalt be no more called Jacob, but Israel, which means a prince with God. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men. And the people of Israel, the people, God's people, the people of the prince with God, they are not just Jews, but all those who have been saved by faith. Jesus is our king. And so the chief priests accused him of many things. But uh, in uh, verse number two, or verse number, yeah, verse number two, Pilate says, then Pilate, or the word says, then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. Well, I, I wish I could. Uh, I wish there was some way we could get the inflection on that because I don't understand what Jesus is actually saying here. But he is not saying uh, that he's not a king, and he's not saying that he is a king as uh, in a political sense. But he is saying this, or he is doing this, he is not giving them anything to misunderstand. And so the, uh, uh, the story goes on, or the account goes on, the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you, but Jesus still answered nothing. Well, why would he not speak? Why didn't he defend himself? Well, I think we get, uh, there's there's two reasons that I know of, and you can probably come up with more, but the first reason is, he's fulfilling prophecy. Right? Isn't that what uh, Isaiah 53 says? says that uh, he would do that like a he was oppressed he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth he's fulfilling prophecy just as we have Uh, uh, pointed out all the way through this account Jesus is fulfilling prophecy the word of God cannot be broken the most important thing for him is to do his father's will no matter how much it hurt or how hard it was the other reason that uh, and this is just a guess on my part but uh you may come up with something better. But he was a master debater. He didn't want to talk him out of it. <laughs> You'd remember all these questions they asked him, right? And trying to trip him up and they could not trip him up. And it got to the point where the scripture said they dared not ask him any more questions. <laughs> so, you know, he's on his way to Calvary. He is the master debater and so... Uh, He did not uh, intend to uh, make a verbal defense of himself in order to talk his way out of this. Then in verse number six, now at the feast, at the feast, the uh, Passover, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas. Barabbas, his name is uh, uh, interesting, I don't know how significant it is, but uh, uh, it's a compound name, it has a prefix, Bar, which means son, and Abba, which means father, right? And you can find that, read in uh, uh, Romans chapter number 8, was it verse 15? Uh, where we go before God and cry, Abba, Father. He is, uh, uh, and that is the name for, it, it's a more familiar name than just Father. It's, it's kind of like uh, Daddy or something like that, a, a, a more intimate name. But, uh, so that means Barabbas' name means son of a father. Barabbas was a man that we find here. Let me read these verses. Verse 6 down to, let's see, verse 6 and 7. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels, Okay, so he's imprisoned. He's chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. And uh, one commentator said the use of the article "the" there means that it probably was some uh, uh, pretty high profile rebellion that uh, they wouldn't say uh, a rebellion, but the rebellion. It's like January 6th, you know, one of them big ones. And and, uh, uh, and he said, they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had done for them. But Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. Now we see in these these verses, this description of Barabbas, that he was a man who was condemned already. He was condemned already. The death sentence had already been passed upon him. He was sitting in prison uh, with his fellow rebels, chained... Waiting for execution. We have every reason to believe that that cross in the middle was not there for Jesus. It was there for Barabbas. He was condemned already. He was part of a rebellion. He had committed murder. There was no doubt that his trial was legal. He had a legal trial. Barabbas was, I mean, he didn't get executed the same day as his trial. Isn't that something? He was, uh, and the uh, evidence was not conjured up evidence or false evidence. They had followed the rules and had the witnesses to prove that he was guilty. And so they had already determined that he was guilty. He was a guilty man. He was a condemned man. He was a rebel. He was a murderer. He was justly condemned for his sins or for his uh, his law breaking. And the charges against him were true. And he had nothing else to say. There was nothing he could say but when they came with the keys to unlock the chain Mm -hmm. it wasn't to take him to the cross it was to set him free because someone else Mm -hmm. our savior Mm -hmm. I saw where someone titled a sermon we are Barabbas Mm -hmm. I was already condemned were you? I was already condemned. I was a rebel. I was imprisoned in my sin. I was guilty, 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 and there was nothing more I could say. I was waiting on my execution, but one day I was set free. Someone, this same one, who hung on that middle cross. Died there for me. Mm-hmm. He didn't just die there for me. I've said this a million times. He died there as me. Mm-hmm. My, my record is cleansed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Barabbas did. We don't read anything else about him. I don't even think there's any uh, historical uh, uh, traditions. Or anything about Barabbas after this. But Man. Wouldn't you have to look back at that cross and <laughs> say mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for him? Yes. That's the only reason yeah. that he was not on the cross. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been for him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be there. Mm-hmm. Well, verse number eight, uh, we we've already talked about it, but the people's request for amnesty for one of the prisoners, verse 9, seems like Pilate Pilate would like to, uh, to find a way to let Jesus go, to get Jesus out of it, or get himself out of this situation, probably would be more like it. Pilate answered them saying, verse 9, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. So verse number 9, he wants Jesus, or excuse me, Pilate is kind of hoping it seems like. And we'll find out as we read some of the other scriptures concerning this that uh, he really did. He was seeking a way. To let Jesus go. But uh, I like what verse 10 says here. For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. They had envy against Jesus. And I looked it up because I knew you would be wanting to know what envy means. And so I looked it up. And it means a feeling of discontented or resentful longing. Aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or good fortune. They were envious of Jesus because of every one of these things. They were envious of him because of, uh, uh, because of his possessions. He's the king. Because of his qualities, he was holy. Because of all of the blessings that uh, 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 that were his, that he could claim, his preaching, they were envious of his preaching, they were envious of his power, they were envious of the people that followed him. They wanted to be the ones that everybody looked to, and Jesus stole the limelight. Jesus was doing for the people and for the nation what they should have been doing while they were uh, uh, scattering the sheep and devouring the flock. Jesus, his preaching was full of power. When Jesus came to the synagogue, things picked up. The demons began to cry out. No telling how long they'd been going to synagogue and nobody's preaching had stirred up a demon until Jesus came in and preached. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? His preaching was with power and authority. Do you you remember reading that? He preached as one having authority and not as the scribes and Pharisees. The scribes and Pharisees delighted to quote ancient authors, ancient rabbis, ancient thinkers, and they had no... I mean, it was a point of pride to them. We are teaching what we've been taught. But Jesus said, You have heard that it hath been said... He that uh, commits adultery is worthy of death. But I tell you, but I say to you, I say to you, I have authority. I say to you, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. You see, and when when they came and accused him and tried to trap, entrap him and all these things, Jesus saw through them. He saw through that facade of religiosity and saw the grave full of dead men's bones and said, you're hypocrites. They didn't like that. Jesus' preaching was bold and powerful and authoritative and people... Followed him. Not all of them uh, trusted him. Some of them just wanted to see miracles. But Jesus had a great following. His name was known. Verse number 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd. So that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Now. Now. Let me, let me just make this suggestion to you. I'm taking a lot longer than I thought I was going to. Let me make this suggestion to you. We've often talked about just a few days before, Sunday or Monday the, uh, of the first of that week, Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey and all those people were shouting "Hosanna" to the Son of David and throwing palm branches in the street and all those things. And uh, and we we have often said, and I have often said, that same crowd that uh, followed him into Jerusalem shouting "Hosanna" are is the same crowd that was screaming "Crucify!" Him. But let's just. Throw this out. This, this is opinion. I, like Pastor Russ said, you know, some of some of what I got's opinion, and I'll try to tell you when it's opinion. But maybe it's not the same crowd. Maybe these are. This is a crowd of uh, of protesters that the Pharisees have. Ordained beforehand that have he's prepa- they've prepared them beforehand, and the religious leaders have prepared them beforehand. Because listen, it's Passover. How big of a crowd are you going to get to go to Pilate's house on Passover? Is it going to be a a, a, a random mob of people that just said? well, we want to get this guy crucified. He wasn't the enemy of the people. He was the enemy of the religious leaders. And so it's very possible, and I'll just throw this out, it's very possible that this was an imported mob that they had already uh, uh, given them their script And told them exactly what they were to say. And what their opinion was. And maybe even paid them off a little bit. And they had them there ready. And when Jesus, when Pilate came out and uh, and said, what are we going to do with Jesus? They said crucify. Verse 12, it looks like Pilate still wants to release Jesus, and he does. Uh, let, me, let me just read this. You don't have to turn, but Luke 23, 20. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify. Verse 13. Here is the cry of the Jewish people of rejection. So they cried out again, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why? Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. Let me just uh, read to you from the Gospel of John. and uh, uh, we're about to run out of time. So let me just read out of the Gospel of John uh, chapters chapter 18. I'll read a little bit in chapter 19. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was early morning. But they themselves did not go in to the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, uh, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he had not been an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. See, there's what I was telling you earlier. And he and the saying of that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he should die. Now Jesus had already said that he would be lifted up, right? That's what he said in chapter 12, John chapter 12. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Lifted up means dying on the cross. That's not a Jewish form of punishment. He would have been stoned to death probably under Jewish law, but he was crucified. And so this was all again to fulfill prophecy. Therefore, the Jews said, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he should die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you of this concerning me? Pilate answered, And I, a Jew, Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. You get it. You know, it took me a lot of years to get it. His kingdom is not of this world. And he said... uh, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. You see, that's all Pilate needed to hear. That's all any of the political leaders needed to hear. He is no danger to us. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? You say rightly, Jesus said. I that I am a king for this cause I was born, for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, here's my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And again, I would like to be able to hear the inflection on that. When he said this, he went out again to the Jews, said to him, I find no fault in him at and then he, we talk about uh we read about the uh release of Barabbas then let's let's look at uh chapter 19 now so then pilate took jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns put it on his head put a on him a purple robe you know they they put there's probably i think MacArthur said this it was probably a robe that uh, herod was uh ready to throw away or something. But I can just almost hear the mockery. The the whole thing was mockery. Mm -hmm. You know what would be hilarious? I got this robe I'm about to throw away. And they've got all this going on about the king of the Jews. Let's put it on him and send him back to Pilate. (laughs) That'd be funny, wouldn't it? But I wonder how... Many billions of time over the centuries that he's had time to think about how funny that was. Therefore, uh, I'll start in verse six. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, "Crucify!" Uh, uh, yeah, verse five. When he came out in that purple robe, the Pilate said, Behold the man. Now, he's been beaten. He has been beaten about the face. Uh, there's one of, I think it's, in, uh, might be in Psalm 22 where he talks about they plucked out his the uh, hair from his cheeks, his beard, ripped his beard from his face. They took the, cat of nine tails that's what I've heard it called but it's a a a a scourge that uh, has a handle on it has several leather uh cords and they tie stone or bits of bone into it weave that into them and they just beat the person and it's not to lay a cut on them it's to dig into the flesh and yank The Jews had a law that uh, when a person was beaten with a whip, he couldn't be beaten but 40 stripes. And just to be sure they didn't overdo it, they did 39 stripes, 40 stripes minus one. But the Romans didn't have that law. And they beat him until he was unrecognizable. Psalm, or Isaiah 52, his visage was so marred more than... Any man. And they brought him out. And here he stands with that crown of thorns on his head. Beaten beyond recognition. And he hasn't even mentioned turning back or quitting. He hasn't, you know, if, if, you know if it was you and you had the power to vaporize those guys but he didn't do that Mm -hmm. he didn't take any comfort he didn't ask for any comfort he wanted to suffer every every bit Mm -hmm. of the pain the agony that was ours Mm -hmm. so that when he saved us by his grace Mm -hmm. he would give us a full and complete Salvation. Amen. Blessed be his name. Yes. And they said. Crucify. Mm-hmm. Pilate goes and washes his hands. You can read that. I believe that's in Matthew. He washes his hands and said. I'm clean from this man's blood. And they said. His blood be upon us. And our children. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has been. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean mm-hmm. that if one of them will come and repent, mm-hmm. he will, He. It, it doesn't mean that he wouldn't save them. Mm-hmm. There's mercy, mm-hmm. mercy, Amen. mercy. As they put him on the cross, Luke again says that he was praying, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. The very ones nailing him to the cross. Mm -hmm. Father, forgive them. What a wonderful Savior. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you. What can we say? Mm -hmm. What could any of us say? To you who have suffered so much and so willingly and counted it joy in order to redeem your people. Thank you sounds so hollow, but it's all we have. Thank you, Lord.